Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Crosspoint, our virtual service again this morning. Uh, we, once again, by God's providence, are unable and are hindered from being able to meet with one another uh, physically. And so we're all still in our homes, worshiping together in spirit. Um, but we're, we're longing for that day that Hopefully be soon when we can come together and be able to talk with one another face-to-face and encourage one another and to sing with one another. And when, when that day finally comes, when we can assemble as a church with one another, that's just going to be, it's going to be great, but it's going to be just a small foretaste of that future, that future day when, uh, Christ and his bride, the church, come together at the marriage supper of the Lamb and we're all united forever. Um, that, that's just what that's going to point forward to. Um, and this pandemic that we're experiencing right now uh, in our city, our state, our country, and the, the whole world right now, um, with all its sickness and death and the suffering that's going on right now and the suffering that's going to continue on uh, and just kind of the ramifications of all of this. It reminds us that this, this earth is not our home. And we're, we're awaiting something better. Um, as the author of Hebrews would say, we're awaiting the better city. We're looking forward to the, the city of Heaven, the city not made by man, but made by God. Um, and right now, th- this pandemic is its just one of the many trials that we have in our, in our short lives. Um, it may seem long at times, but in the light of eternity, it's just like a drop in the bucket. What it's doing is it's preparing us for that something better, for, for eternity. Uh, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4, 17, that this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. As we kind of fix our eyes on eternity, on the unseen, on God's promises of what he's going to do. And... Uh, a couple chapters later, he also writes that Christians are always rejoicing even when we're sorrowful. Um, and so today we're going to uh, be in First Peter again. We'll look at the next section of what we looked at about a month ago. So we'll be in First Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. What Peter does here is kind of he lays out for us reminds us that what God has done, what he's doing, what he will do, um, how he's made believers alive in Christ. He's made us alive in Christ, and that should lead us to praise him. And it should also lead us to rejoice in him always, um, even, even when we're grieving and are suffering. So if you remember back uh, about a month ago when we looked at these first two verses here, um, I said 
those two verses kind of set the stage for the rest of the letter. Um, and what those first two verses do is kind of lays out what God does in salvation. Uh, that Christians are by grace, one, chosen by the Father, two, we're set apart from the world by the sanctification of the Spirit, and three, we're members of the new covenant that Christ initiates. Uh, we're in the new covenant of Christ. Um, and then the, the rest of the letter expands on that idea, uh, explaining uh, how this is our new identity and what this new identity means for our lives. Um, that we should live out our new identity in Christ with hope and joy, standing firm in faith and holiness, even amidst suffering, as we point others in love to Christ in both our good deeds and our words. Um, Peter writes a lot about doing good deeds so that one day others can give glory to God. Um, so open up your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1, and we'll read verses 3 through 12 and then pray. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 12. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. And rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you. The things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things into which angels long to look. God, as we study your word here together as we think on it and meditate on it in the week to come. God, we ask that you would work it into our hearts and our minds through your spirit. That our eyes and minds would be even more enlivened to the gospel, to see the glories of Christ and what you've done for us and that that would get us into joy no matter what circumstances we're facing, no matter 
what's happening around us that we should always stand fast and hold in you because you're keeping us. And God, let that just bring us joy and true joy. And God, help us to just tear away anything that would rob us of our joy in you. God, as we read this and look through it together, I ask that you just continue to shape us and form us into the image of Christ from one degree of glory to another. So, uh, William, William Gurnall wrote in the late 1600s, uh, he wrote this, that the reason why many poor souls have so little heat of joy in their hearts is that they have so little light of gospel knowledge in their mind. The further a soul stands from the light of truth, the further he is from the heat of comfort. And so these, these verses we just meant are meant to remind us of the truth and reality of the gospel and that that would renew our hearts so that we just overflow with praise and joy in God. However, this joy that we're supposed to rejoice with um, it happens simultaneously even when we're grieving and suffering through the various trials or multicolored, multifaceted trials of our Christian life. And so taking that into account, one of the questions then that we have that we're faced with that is what, what is joy? If it's something that we can have even when we're suffering, even when we're grieving, what does it mean to have joy, to be joyful? And we can think of verses like Philippians 4.4 and 1 Thessalonians 5 where God commands us to always rejoice. Rejoice always. And joy is also part of the fruit of the Spirit. And so when we think about that question of what is joy, it's a key not only to this passage, but it's a key to our entire Christian walk. And so, one of the things we can say, it's certainly not. It's certainly not just kind of glibness, putting a smile on your face, um, denying things that are going wrong, uh, just kind of turning, turning away from the horrors of our world of sin. Uh, because it, this joy, it also, it also grieves. You've, our Christian joy allows for grieving and lamenting and being sorrowful. And so this Christian joy, it allows for that deep sorrow and lament. So what is it? Um, we can look at like various passages throughout the Bible that kind of illustrate it over and over and over again. Um, but to put it kind of succinctly, is it's deep pleasure of the heart in what God has done and what God is doing and what God will do. Um, and not just what God is doing, but in God himself, in our Lord. 
and our our joy it's it's never ending it's inexhaustible it's inexpressible that even when all else gives way even when everything in our lives are destroyed like job it still clings to god in our deepest despair it takes hope in that I am in the hand and care of God who quiets my fears, quiets my anxieties, comforts me and sings over me. Uh, Psalm 34 says uh, that he, he cares and loves the brokenhearted and afflicted. Um, that he's near to them and saves the crushed in spirit. Or in Psalm 73, uh, Asaph, uh, the author of the psalm, writes this. Um, He writes, When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. He's he's talking to God here. Um, He says, Nevertheless, I'm continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And then that last verse. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. So what is Christian joy? What is the joy that the believer has? It's a deep pleasure and thankfulness for God himself, knowing that God is the greatest gift we could ever have, and that he is our inheritance, that we're looking forward to the day when we full and he is our God and he, he is living among us. He is with us. Uh, he is our light. He is everything. And so right now, uh, the believer is sealed with the Holy Spirit who is a guarantee of that future of eternity with God, of the greatest gift that anyone could ever have. And so this, this joy overflows into praise and worship without end forevermore. We could talk or sing or write for thousands and thousands of years, and yet we'd never run out of words. We'd never even scratch the surface of this deep joy of the Christian, of what God is and what he's done for us. In fact, it wouldn't even do it justice, as uh, it says here in Second or First Peter, that our joy is inexpressible. And so, this whole passage that we just read—it's um, kind of—we can break it down into three parts. Um, three through five are all about. Praise God 
for salvation. And six through nine are rejoice in the salvation. And then 10 through 12 are uh, all the prophets and history and even the angels have been longing to see this salvation that we now have, that we praise God for, that we rejoice in. Um, And so this passage starts with, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, And everything just kind of flows out of that or actually like into that. Like all of this is why we bless God, why we praise God, why we worship God. And it's all about bringing God glory, of showing him as better and more worthy than anything else, and finding our complete joy in him. In fact, that's what our enti- not only this passage, but our entire life should be centered around. How can I glorify God in placing or finding taking joy in him. Now, the, the Westminster uh, Shorter Catechism, uh, like that, that first question, that famous question is, what is the chief end or, or purpose of man? And the answer is, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And so when we look at this passage It should just reshape our point, our wayward hearts back to the gospel, back to what Christ has done for us. And then fuel us and empower us to follow him. And so the salvation that's laid out in verses 3 through 5, it's it's the bedrock of our joy. Um, God who, according to his grace and mercy, He chose us uh, and caused us to be born again. So he chose us and caused us to be born again. He gave us new life. We were dead. Uh, We were rebels and enemies of God. And now he's given us the right to become children of God. He adopted us into his family. And as a child, we now have an inheritance. And this inheritance can never, ever, ever be taken away because it's being kept by God. And it's imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven. And not only is the inheritance unable to be ever taken away, But the believer himself is always going to reach it because the believer in Christ is being guarded by God's power. That God is going to ensure that he finishes the work he started. That he's going to bring every one of his children to the finish line, to the inheritance, to him. And so the believer will never fail to acquire this inheritance. It's our hope. It's our feel. It drives us to praise and causes us to rejoice always. 
And so, so this, this gospel, this good news that once we were alien and far off, have now been brought near to God, into the family of God. Because we've been given new hearts. Hearts of flesh instead of hearts of stone. Because we've been given this great gift of grace. And it's all because of what Christ has done for us. That he died, he went to the cross and took the penalty for us. The wrath of God that we deserved was poured out upon him. And not only that, he lived a perfect life and now gives us his righteousness. And he didn't stay in the grave. He, he rose again, showing that our debt is fully paid. Uh, that now he's kind of the, the guarantee of our eternal life because he has been raised to life. He's been resurrected. So now we too will be resurrected. Um, and he is glorified and will be glorified and we too will be glorified with him. Uh, that our faith will result in our praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ, the revealing of him. Um, that It's like that... Uh, if you've seen Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, it's like that scene where uh, Aragorn, uh, he, he rewards the hobbits for what they've done. And, tells, and all the crowd turns and honors them. That God himself will, will honor us because of our faith. And it's amazing. And so this, this, this gospel, this good news, it's our daily sustenance. It's our feel for our joy. It leads to our worship and praise of God. And, um, and this being born again, it, it says it gives us a living hope, that we're born again to a living hope. Um, and so our hope, our hope is it's living uh, it's not a dead hope, it's a hope that's alive. And it's alive because we are now alive. It's alive because Christ is alive. And it's alive because we will be alive with eternal life. That our, our living hope is Christ. Our living hope is eternal life with him. And so... It turns from all of that, all of that uh, great truth to say, now rejoice in this, always, always rejoice in this. Remember this gospel, remember what God has done for you. And even when you're grieved by various trials, remember this. Remember what Christ has did, done for you. Remember that even when you're ridiculed or mocked for your faith. But so was Jesus. That even when you're rejected by others, so was Jesus. Even if you're tortured or killed for your faith, so was Jesus. That he 
comforts us because he can fully empathize with everything we faced. Even when we lose friends or are betrayed, um, so, was, so was he. And it says we rejoice, although or even now for a little while, if necessary, we have been grieved by various trials. And so the question is, why, why is that necessary? Um, if you look at the last verse of chapter 4, um, Peter writes, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. That this, this necessity is it's according to God's will. It's so that, as it goes on, that our faith may be found to result in glory and honor and praise. That it strengthens our faith. That it burns away our sin, our selfish desires, and reorients us back to Christ, back to the gospel. That just like when you mine gold and you put it, you smelt it in a furnace and you burn away all the dross to purify it, that, that, that's what these trials in our life are for. Um, in fact, our, our faith is even more precious than gold because gold doesn't last forever. Um, Money fades. You don't take it with you when you die. Um, and, but our faith, it's, it's a guarantee. It's pointed to. It's founded in the promises of God that we have an inheritance that's imperishable. Uh, Jesus uh, said that not to store up our treasures here on earth, but in heaven where no moth or thief can steal or destroy. Um, and so, in this we rejoice. In the gospel, even when we suffer. And we take courage in the fact that even though Right now, we, we don't see Christ, that he, he isn't with us, that he's, he's in heaven, that we still love him and we believe in him. And that's, that's an encouragement because it's, it's evidence of God's work in us. And Jesus told his disciples that um, like, you believe because you see, but blessed are those who believe and do not see, that we're still awaiting, uh, we're trusting in the promises of God, holding on to this, this truth of this eternity with him because of what Christ has done. But that, that carries us. That carries us forward. It fuels our joy. And so we rejoice in it. With joy that's inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation your souls, that, that even now, uh, as we walk with Christ, as we face these trials, these hardships, these pains and sorrows, that even amidst all of that, right now we 
our obtaining our salvation. Um, that God is at work in us, sanctifying us, making us new, making us holy, making us like him. Until the day when we're, we're finally glorified and our sin has completely gone away with. And we're with him forever. That the salvation uh, that begins with justification continues into sanctification and ends in glorification. That this is what God is doing now and this is what we rejoice in. That we are his and he is ours. In fact, this, the salvation that we have in Christ, uh, Peter writes, uh, it's what the prophets were longing for. It's what they were desiring to see. It's what they were inquiring the spirit of when is the Christ going to come? When is the Messiah going to come and suffer? When is all this? And the Spirit told them that, hey, it's, it's not in your day. It's, it's for the future. It's for us now uh, because it's, it's happened. In fact, these, this gospel, this good news that someone preached to you at some point and Spirit brought to life in your heart. Uh, like This is what even angels, cosmic beings, heavenly beings were longing to see. That what the prophets and angels were longing for, we have now. And so we rejoice in it. And so when we kind of think about this is in God's mercy, he gives us new birth. Which gives us a living hope that we're kept by God. And so we, we bless God, we praise him, and we rejoice even in our trials because our trials are preparing us to be with him. Preparing us by killing our sin, preparing us by strengthening our faith, by reorienting our hearts to hope in the gospel. Not hope in man, not hope in anything but God. Because we can't trust anything except God. Uh, man changes, man lies, but God is unchanging. Uh, nations come into power and decline and go away. But God, God's kingdom is eternal. Eternal past, eternal present. Always. And so, when you think about this, it's all about God gave you new life. So praise him and rejoice. And we never grow beyond that gospel, that good news. So preach it to yourself every day. Encourage each other every day with it. And share it with others that don't know it. You have new life, so praise God. And rejoice. And so, uh, in a couple weeks, uh, it'll be my turn to preach again, and we'll, we'll look at the the therefore that Peter writes of all of this. Um, so today, though, the therefore is where, where ask yourself where is your hope. Do you have this 
feeling of inexpressible joy in the gospel. Maybe it ebbs and flows in your life. Maybe right now you're, you feel distant and cold. And so, beg for it. Beg God to enliven your heart once again, to hold you fast, and then kill anything, any sin, or thing that drags you down, that hinders your walk with Christ, that robs you of the joy in him. And remember that even in the pains and sorrows of the sinful and broken creation, that even in this fallen world, we can have joy even when we grieve and sorrow, even when we weep with those who weep, we have an eternal hope. We have a reason to rejoice. And it's because of what Christ has done. And so, when you think of this, remember the gospel. When you wake up in the morning, remember the gospel. When you eat lunch, Remember the gospel. When you go to bed, remember the gospel. Remember the good news. Remember that you've been given new life. And let that overflow into praise and joy. So let's pray. This is another prayer from the Valley of Vision. O Christ, all the ways of mercy tend to and end in my delight. Thou did weep and sorrow and suffer that I may rejoice. For my joy, you have sent the Comforter, multiplied your promises, shown me my future happiness, and given me a living fountain. You are preparing joy for me and me for joy. We pray for joy and wait for it and long for it. Give us more joy than we can hold, desire, or think of. Measure out to us times and degrees of joy at our work, our business, and our duties. Even if we weep at night, give us joy in the morning. And give us joy in our sorrow. Let us rest in the thought of your love and that you've pardoned our sin. You've given us a title inheritance to heaven that you've promised we will be without sin, that in the future we will be untarnished and unspotted. And we are unworthy recipients of your grace. We often sin and disesteem your blood and slight your love. But in repentance we draw water from the wells of this everlasting joy and forgiveness. So God, let our hearts leap towards the eternal Sabbath of this final rest where the work of redemption, sanctification, preservation, glorification is finished and perfected forever, where you will rejoice over us with joy. God, there's no joy like the joy of heaven. For in that state, there are no, there's no more divisions, there's no more quarrels or contentions or evil designs or weariness or hunger or cold sadness, sin or suffering. There's no more persecutions or toils of duty. There's no more sickness. 
where, where we reign with you as kings, where we are a holy assemble, assembly, uh, where we are a holy nation of, of priests. God, we long for that. Bring us to that land of joy. God, even now in this life, even amongst our sorrows, fill us with your joy. And help us to kill anything in our life, any, any sin or hindrance that robs us of our joy. Help our joy to be complete and full in you. In your son's name we pray.